this is Sky, and you are listening to Look Up. I'm here. I'm really excited about this. I'm energetic and enthused by sharing my stories and contemplating on how can I break it up. I got all these organizational tools playing. I'm writing up my scripts and and just like getting my points together and just trying to like, can I not leave this out or can I put this back in or how can I incorporate you into my world and how can I transition things and how can I explain things? And it's just so many hows um, that I'm just like, you know what, F it, fuck it. Let me just tell you, let me just get it into this whole thing, have a conversation with you, converse with you. So as you're listening to me, that you're cruising, you're driving, you're hanging out with your friends, or you're putting your makeup on, or you're just like, let me listen to something different, right? We're vibing. And I'm playing, and now I got the music in the background, I'm setting the tune, and we just vibing. So let's get on with it, right? We're in a minute, and I'm in it. And let's talk about this little Arab girl. Um... And why she feels her voice matters, right? And who she thinks she is and who you think you is. Um, you know, so a little Arab girl who's born and raised in Brooklyn, New York City. And she's been through rough challenges. She grew up and she didn't identify with a lot of things. And she just didn't, did not understand why. Um, and this we're talking about like late 80s, early 90s where I was trying to find my place, my mark, my identity. Everywhere I look, I didn't see nobody look like me besides the community that I lived in, you know? My mom looked like me, my sister looked like me, my brothers, my family, my cousin, everybody looked like me. But when I turn on the TV, there's nobody that looks like me. When I listen to music, there's nobody there on the radio that listen, that kind of sounds like me. Um, go to school, not many girls that look like me. And... You know, I'm Arab, but I was identified as an Indian girl, which is no disrespect. I love my Indians. I love everybody. Um, But like, I'm Arab, right? And the stigma behind me, which I carried with me, and I'm sure most of y'all, you know, we have the stigma that, that we carry. You know, it may not be us per se that we did this or we we're exposed to this, but yet we still carry it, right? It's either on our skin, it's on our hair texture, the way we talk, the way we laugh how we dress and so this little Arab girl growing up in Brooklyn lived in multiple and various really neighborhoods out there and she just struggled man did I struggle I struggled hard because at home I wasn't allowed to, to believe or give energy into holidays you know the Christmas holidays Easter's Valentine's Day St. Patrick's Day Cinco de Mayo um, you want to name it, we participated only at school. Um, and only time that we would be, you know, exposed to it is when, you know, it's brought up at school or we're off from school. But then growing up, how come my religion, you know, I celebrate Ramadan, I celebrate Eid. Why not? My days are off. Why do I have to go to school with a school note asking to excuse my absence and never get 100% attendance? You know, why is it that um, I don't have decorations when it's my holiday. Um, why is it that I have to memorize all of these songs for Christmas, but no one even knows what Salam Aleikum means? 
So it was just like growing up in that type of diversity where your parents weren't able or educated enough or thoughtful to say, let's have this conversation and let's talk about why you're so different. Um, They didn't understand that being teased at schools plays a factor as you get older. Um, So yeah, so this little Arab girl, and I know I'm sounding like it's the third party or it's like I'm the narrator, but I've been through it. And as I'm going backwards, as I'm like reliving things and I'm like re-explaining things or I'm drafting something for this podcast, I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Damn. Wow. Shit. Oh, I'm I'm oppressed. Oh, my voice, my voice did not matter. So being this little girl, I was just like, daddy, why? Daddy, that's not fair. Um, Mommy, why? Mommy, that's not fair. And you go to school, you're like, Miss or Mister, why is that? I don't know. Ask your parents. Hey, why are you different? Hey, why are you fasting? Hey, I don't know. I don't know. Shit. Everything was, I don't know. I don't know. Finally, you get home and you're like, Mom, Dad, you know, I want to celebrate Christmas. No, you can't. Why? Because you're Muslim. Okay. But how come I can't go see Santa Claus? No, because you're Muslim. But why, why Islam doesn't have a Santa Claus? We can't because it's haram, all right? So what is haram? Haram means it's forbidden. Okay, but haram is in the Quran. So every time I ask a question, it's a sin. Or if I'm inquiring or wondering, it's a sin. Because haram is considered a sin. Like you're, you're committing a sin against your religion. So I grew up, everything was haram. Then, you know, why can't I, why can't I wear makeup to school? Why can't I wear this type of clothes? Why can't I wear this? No, it's ab. Ab means what? Eb is that the community, right? It's gonna talk bad or talk down about the family because we're too open or too liberal. So I grew up hoping that my parents and my family members would be more modern day. And so this little Arab girls like struggling in New York City. Like I was stressed. Like I wanted to be friends with the black girls. I wanted to be friends with the Spanish girls. I wanted to be friends with the white girls, but I couldn't because I didn't relate. I couldn't. You know, like when they were getting together for sleepovers, I couldn't do it. I couldn't participate. I couldn't do this. I was like, God damn, man, I was suppressed, right? They can come over, but I can't come over there. But then their parents don't know my parents. So of course, their parents are not going to let them come over and play with us. Man, Brooklyn was very stressful for me. And then you get shipped overseas and then you over there, you just like, uh, everything's the same. I can relate. Oh, okay, I understand. But how do you have an 8, 9, 10-year-old, 12-year-old understand or conceptualize the difference between your social norm today and what you're supposed to do because that's what your upbringings are and your family's upbringings and what's acceptable or unacceptable. So I grew up, you know, living in Brooklyn, going between so many types of schools, junior high school, elementary Still fighting to be heard, still trying to get answers, trying to figure it out. And half the time growing up, I just could not get the appropriate answer. I just had to live out the day. So it was a tough battle being a little Arab girl in Brooklyn, New York City. Can you imagine the other little Arab girls growing up throughout the city where we were 
told to do things and if we ask questions, not that I'm saying our parents were abusive, you know, no, my parents didn't like shut me down by hitting me or making me feel that I wasn't, I couldn't voice my opinion. It was just, I was only allowed to ask the questions at home, but they just couldn't give me a straight answer. And I was just trying to find answers, try to find answers with my little friends, try to find answers. And it was just like, there's no answer. And growing up, I'm just like, okay, what else is out there for me? How can I get these answers? And as I got older and I'm meeting young Arab women, Arab girls, my age, teenagers, we all had the same thing. We understood. But sadly, we didn't keep that relationship ongoing because, you know, with every culture, they get married off and or they back sent back home. So weird. So weird to the fact that, you know, um, we couldn't, it was weird then, right? Now, as we get older and now we're real adult life, we're just like, okay, I see what happened. I see why our parents did what they were doing because we're older now, either we're parents or we're grandmas and we understand. We try to correlate, right? Like right now I'm trying to like put it together. Like I get it, daddy. I get it, mommy. But growing up, as I was getting older, I had to start learning how to keep secrets, hiding my identity now. And I was struggling with that because what was acceptable in my social norm was unacceptable in my reality norm. The reality meaning going home and pretending now to be this Arab girl that's acceptable. And I'm I'm using air quotes, y'all can, you know. I'm, I'm emphasizing. And then when I step out, I'm trying to fit in because clearly I don't have any answers. My parents can't give me the answers. My society, the, my environment couldn't give me the answers. So now I got to formulate my own answers, right? I had to recreate my identity. Who can I fit in and who will be accepting me? And that's when I was just struggling because what my parents knew, my school didn't know and my friends didn't know. Because I was trying to juggle how to be accepted. Because, again, I did not have answers to all the whys that I had growing up. And I'm sure, you know, you guys probably can understand. A lot of Arab girls today, when they're at home, they have to keep up this persona. Then when they step out of school, they have a different persona. Then when they're around their friends, they're a different persona. Then when they're around their diverse friends, they have a different persona. And... I admire the girls today that hold true to their persona. Like, I'm not changing me. If I talk like this, I act like this, then I am this. And I applaud that. But back then, there was no such thing as that. You know, when I was a little girl, I had to be like, yo, I wish I was Puerto Rican. Um, All my friends started becoming Spanish, and I just wanted to be around Spanish girls, and I wanted to learn how to speak Spanish, and I just couldn't... I resented being an Arab girl because I wasn't accepted as being an Arab girl. Then I went to a different school. I wanted to be around the black girls. I wanted to talk like the black girls. I wanted to say the lingos. I wanted to wear the door knockers. I wanted to wear the baggy clothes because I was just like, I don't want to be an Arab because I felt and I saw that the other communities allowed their girls to embrace themselves They embr- and, and they knew who they were. I had to explain who I was. I wasn't Indian. No. Are you Puerto Rican? No. 
um, I'm Arabic. What is that? Oh, that's in the Middle East. Oh my God, that's a terrorist. No, it's not. You know, where Yemen? Like, what do you guys talk? You're Arabic. That was my favorite part when I was to be like, no, I'm Arab and I speak Arabic. And they're like, oh, but you're Arabic. Oh my God, my friend's Arabic. And I'm like, okay, it was so tough and hiding. You know, I remember sneaking behind my dad's back and giving my friend all my allowance so that she can buy me the lugs, the lug boots back then, or bringing me a belt with my initial on it because I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be accepted. But then I didn't realize that all that torment of dying or that, that achieving that acceptance kind of like trickled into like my young adulthood and the obstacles that I was enduring or I was facing because I still carried that baggage. I still carry that on back in the back of my, my, like my book bag. And I'm like, I got to get these people to accept me everywhere I went. I always had to figure out a way how the person that's standing in front of me, I needed them to see me and to accept me. But the essence of this is just telling you, like, you know, it was tough being an Arab girl in Brooklyn, New York City. It was so diverse, but yet so secluded. It was communities that kind of like oppressed the young girls. And today, I wish today was then where we were embracing it and, and being brown was beautiful. And there was different shades of being brown and different ethnicities of being a brown girl. Um, where, you know, when they say stand up, you stand up and they don't tell you to sit down because you're not too brown enough or you fall in, in between the spectrum. So you could be white or you could be black, but you're not. So sit down. Um, and, you know, building that and maybe turning on the TV and seeing shows that you can relate to. And instead of Disney just giving you Aladdin, Right. And for those who know me, know I'm in love with Aladdin. I love Aladdin. I love the theory, the process, the moral concept of Aladdin. But that was the only cartoon that I can actually like surely relate to and identify. Right. You see Princess Jasmine, you see Aladdin. You're like, oh, my God, I resemble them. I look like them. Um, the the concept and the, the cartoon and the background, the story. Wow. I can relate to that. And so when I was back home, I remember the merchant, so I related to that. You know, the, the garments, I remember that from my community and my home. So that's really why I was like in love with Aladdin and the Disney um, thing. But this girl, me, at such a young age, I felt like I wish there was somebody out there at that time that could have been mentoring me or technology offered these type of um, audios, podcasts, music, entrepreneurs, singers, actresses that grew up in a city life that had to incorporate themselves and their home and their upbringing and their culture and their traditions and their religion and find their true self or their true identity. And I mean, like, regardless of your sexual creed or your, your skin pigmentation or your upbringings, regardless of what country, what culture you're in, we all struggle. You know, we all figure out ways to belong. And we can come from, like, loving homes and families. But it's just something about immigrant parents bringing their cultural and upbringing you know, cultural and religious and traditional backgrounds with them 
And then me now as an adult, I noticed that I kind of like incorporate that in my upbringing of my child and my moral compass and the way I handle things and how I maintain relationships and friendships. The one thing that I've learned that, you know, now as an adult is I'm not changing me. I am beautiful. I am brown. I am an Arab. I speak multiple languages. I stand out in crowds and I'm not ashamed of it. And I don't seek acceptance as I was in my younger years. I create my acceptance. I stand firm where I am and where I believe in and how I'm perceived. And today, you know, my podcast is to share my story. Have you joined these journeys with me? Jump on excursions. It might be wild. It may be a fun ride. It might be intense. But we're doing this together. And I'm voicing. So maybe there are a little Arab girls out there that can say, oh my God, she reminds me of me. Or hey, I want to look up to her. Or guess what? My mom was like that. Or my dad is like that. And we can laugh about it. And we can learn about from it. That's what I really want to say. Like, I want us to learn from this. So... I'm going to say peace out. This is the longest I've recorded. Appreciate my listeners. And I'll see you on the next excursion. Peace out. <laughs>